Hey, Happy New Year. Welcome to Grace. We're so glad you're able to join us online and uh, also in person. So, hey, we've been uh, planning some cool one-up messages for you to start the new year. A lot of times, if you're new to Grace, we like to preach in series. Some of those series are topical, and some of those series happen uh, through different books of the Bible that we want to teach and gather with our people together. But today, what we're going to be doing is doing a one-up message, which is kind of cool. We can cover some topics that typically won't make it into a series. And they're topics that can be very interesting to a broad a range of people. Now, with that, I'll be sending you a, um, <coughs> excuse me, devotion that we're going to start today. So on this Sunday, we're going to start a new devotion. It's uh, connected to Chuck Swindoll, which is one of my heroes in the faith. And we'll just kind of gather with that. If we're not friends on uh, version, make sure you friend me. Uh, the easiest way to find me is through jfreak316 at gmail.com. And I'll try to get that information to Dan, who can post that for you online. And we'll send that out by email as well to people. But we want you to be able to connect to God's word and to the devotions that we're doing as a church. So what I'd like to talk about in this one-up message is something that hits a lot of people based on different places that maybe you've come from in your faith with regard to children. And in our church, it's the topic of child dedication. But based on your religious background and where you've come from and what you've been through, uh, you may have known this as infant baptism or christening. And so as we look at this, the question I have for you this morning is dedicated. Have you been dedicated? Are you dedicated? What's your concept of, you know, infant baptism, dedication, and all these pieces? Now, to do this, I've got to give you some history regarding infant baptism and some history regarding dedication. So let me first speak to you from maybe a personal perspective. So I grew up, some of you grew up in a religious background. Some of you have not grown up from a religious background. But I grew up for a season in the Methodist church. And so my mom um, gave her life to Jesus in a Methodist church in a small community not far from here. Uh, my dad and his father grew up in a Methodist church. In fact, my grandfather didn't like to even be called a Christian. That's a different topic. He, he would correct you, say he's a Methodist. Uh, he was pretty hardcore about his denominational uh, slant. And within that denominational slant, um, like many of you, they practice something with infant baptism. And so a child would be brought forward by the family and the parents. And uh, sometimes there would be a godparent named, especially you would see this if you came from a Catholic background, Episcopal, Anglican, um, Lutheran. And so if you came together, you would come together, they would usually pour water over a child's head, unless you're Eastern Orthodox. And you should just Google that because it's hilarious. They like, ka-choom, ka-choom, ka-choom. they just dunk the kid all, woo, into the to the water. That's an interesting uh, child baptism. But anyway, um, that would be typically what happened in the Methodist tradition. Uh, you would be baptized by your parents and they would commit to raise you in the faith. And then at a certain point, you would accept that baptism through a process called confirmation. Now, I never did that. I, I eventually um, came to a place in my life where I decided instead to make a decision on my own to be baptized scripturally, biblically. And we're going to get to that. Meaning that the Bible was the only source or document that we were using to inform our decision regarding how to dedicate or baptize or how all that worked together with children. So to help you understand, that's what happened in my life, but to help you understand how that works, and I'll talk a little bit about my own children as, as well. 
I want to give you a history of where children, uh, child baptism came from, where baptism came from, um, how these things connect to or don't connect to child dedication. And so let me give you some facts because facts are better than feelings and facts inform us more than our feelings or our traditions. Amen? So let me give you some facts. The, and, and even people that practice infant baptism would agree with this. There is no explicit use or no explicit command or no explicit example in Scripture. So in the books that we accept as Christians as Scriptures, Holy Scripture, there's no example at all of a child being baptized. That's just true. Um, some people say, well, you can look at some ambiguity there. There's times in the New Testament says this person was baptized and their whole family. And again, that's ambiguous, not explicit because we don't know the ages of the family. And so we can't say that the child was a certain age or if the child had made a profession of faith. There's also in the early first church, so not the early church, but the first church, the church that came right after Jesus's resurrection, okay? That church, very early on, there was a document known as the Didache. You can look it up. It's a cool document. You can download it for free on PDF. And essentially, it's just instruction. It was some of the early sayings and instruction of some of the early church fathers. And what's interesting is in the Didache, historically, you would have to, in the early church, the first church, you would have to renounce allegiance to Satan. You would have to have a confession of faith. And typically you would fast for one to two days and the person baptizing you fast for one to two days before you were baptized by immersion. All those were in the Didache. So the earliest document that we have access still to post scriptures also did not account for any form of infant or child baptism. So where did it come from? Well, the first mention is around 200 AD. It's through a couple different um, early church fathers. So this would be the early church, but not the first church. A guy named Tertullian, as well as a guy named Origen. Now, they disagreed on it. Uh, Origen mentions it, but he mentions it in a very vague way. He mentions the idea of children um, being in the church and valued and makes a mention to baptism. And Tertullian, um, same era, same church era as the church father, speaks against it. So you can see that it, it, as it came into the church as a topic, uh, the early church fathers didn't agree on it either. So there was controversy around this, which means if you're wondering about this, you're probably also, you're not alone. This is not a new problem. Um, then, then the idea of Augustine, he's another early church father. He's around 300 to 400 AD. He, he began to talk about infant baptism and its connection to original sin. Now, this is about the time, the formation of the Roman Catholic Church, okay? Same time. And Augustine's one sharp guy. I mean, sharp philosopher within the church, but Augustine's hot on this topic because he believed that babies were born with original sin from Adam, that the original sin was passed from Adam all the way down through every person born. We, we believe the same thing. We believe that sin, we're born with sin. But, but the reality is, is you haven't committed sin. You're just born with the inherency of sin. And so Augustine taught and the church embraced, the Roman Catholic church embraced and still does to this day embraces the concept that unless baptized, a child will go to hell, which is why baptism and child baptism is so important. And that's really where 
the priority of this has crept into the church as a whole. So if you're raised Episcopal, Anglican, Catholic, um, Lutheran, Methodist, a lot of that comes from this theology of original sin and the removal of original sin through baptism. The problem with that is, again, Scripture doesn't teach that. Now, what do we believe about that? This is all pre-work, so I'll tell you about dedication. Um, what we believe is a child has what's called universal infant salvation. Now, I'm going to make available to you a PDF if you want to learn more about that, especially if you've lost a child prenatal or you've lost a child. But a child, before they get to the age of accountability where they can commit conscious sin, is covered under God's general grace. And we have a whole write-up on that that we'll give to you by a really great Bible teacher named Ed Miller. And in that, in that teaching, uh, we have it, if you're here in person at the Welcome Center, you can pick up a copy. But, but the reality is, is children don't need to be baptized. They're covered under God's general grace. And so that, that's not an issue. Now, during the Reformation, which was a season and era where people began to push back on some of the controlling nature of the church, and some of the teachings of the church, there became five main cries that are going to shape, you're going to see in a second, how we land in what we call child dedication. Now, I'm not going to give you to, in the Latin. If you want them in the Latin, that's fine. I'm not a Latin scholar. I'm just going to give them to you in the English translation. These were the five cries of the Reformation when we were pushing back on the church's teaching. By Scripture alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, Christ alone, and glory to God alone. Now, what do these mean? The church, began to, uh, the church began to push back on just tradition. Doing things because that's what the church has told us to do or leadership has told us that's the way it should be. And they said, no, no, no. We're going to reshape our faith. This became known as the Protestant Reformation. A lot of the denominations we're a part of come out of this. And so to the glory of God alone means he's the only one that's to get the glory for the things that are happening. By Christ alone means that faith Saving faith and why we're saved from, from eternity separated from God is because of Christ alone. By grace alone means we do nothing to merit that. God's done all of it through the person of Jesus, okay? And then by faith alone means that uh, a faith even that we use is given to us as a gift from God. And by scripture alone deals specifically with that the governing document for the church is not a denominational document it's not a clergy document. It's the Bible. It's Scripture alone. And when you come back to Scripture alone, what you find is there's no evidence for infant baptism. So as the church wrestled with this, they also wrestled with the idea of, but kids have value. And throughout Scripture, we also see that children were dedicated. They were consecrated. They were set apart. And so that's a problem, but also there's a great solution in that. So with history having this overwhelming, biblical history having this overwhelming connection to children being consecrated, set apart, blessed, and made a part of the family, they have the problem they can't use baptism as the sacrament or the mechanism by which to bring that blessing to the family and to the church or the connection to the church. So the solution is child dedication. So let me give you seven things as fast as I can with the time that we have regarding child dedication and why we should be dedicating our children and why it should be a more integral part in life of the church today. And first of all, which we've covered pretty heavy already is it's biblical. It is biblical. Why should you dedicate? It is 
biblical. It's connected to the scriptures. Here's the reality. There are 38 verses, and I'm going to put a link there, and Dan can share that with you online in the chat area. But there are 38 specific verses regarding child dedication. 38 verses regarding the dedication and the consecration of kids. Now, I'm going to just share two of those with you today. And the reason I'm going to share those two with you today is because I think that they will give us a, a broad enough insight of the 38. They're great examples that show you that it's biblical. Here's the first one. It comes out of Genesis 21, uh, 45, or just 4 through verse 5. And listen to what it says. This is the Word of God. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham the father of faith, right? Circumcised him as God commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now here's the reality about this awesome passage that comes out of the book of Genesis. Abraham had been given a covenant and a promise with God. And that covenant was sealed through the process of circumcision. That was the sign. Now that sign was only for Abraham. Some modern denominations try to take that and say, baptism is the new sign of circumcision. It's not. The Bible never makes the connection, so we shouldn't either. What we're doing is wrestling with and trying to, to fabricate a way where we just want to be able to baptize our kids and find a reason to do so. But that's, those two aren't connected. What we can say is God gave Abraham and that group, that people group, a way to know that they were under a covenant and a seal and a sign where children were valued and they were brought into the community of God. And it was a way in which they all could relate and belong. Another one I love is you can see it in the life of Jesus, okay, going forward to Jesus' time and how dedication is still, <coughs> excuse me, an important part of the church. You see this in Luke. Chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Read this with me. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary, okay, Jesus' earthly parents, took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So they took him to the temple. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, set apart, blessed, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what was said in the law of the Lord a pair of doves, and two pigeons. So here's the reality. A lot of cool things, by the way, you could pull out of this passage if you want to just study it. But, but here's the thing for our purpose today, okay? Our purpose today is Jesus himself was dedicated, and he was dedicated, and his parents dedicated him, and it showed value, it showed belonging, and it showed a unique religious connection specifically to the way that they wanted to raise Jesus, so we have those two. And again, 38 other examples. These are just two. Now in my life, let me tell you how this panned out. I was in a Methodist church when I had my first child, Brittany. She's awesome. She's um, going to be turning into, believe it or not, gosh, 20, 22, 23 uh, this January. I've, I've looked that up. But, but she's been around a little while now. So this has been a long time ago. And uh, when we were in the church, people were saying, when are you going to baptize her? When are you going to baptize her? And I said, well, let me, let me look at the scriptures and let me figure out what I should do. So family, if you've been wondering about, should I dedicate, should I baptize, here's my encouragement to you. I'm going to give you what I know, but you should go on a personal journey where you decide what's the best thing you can do as parents or grandparents for your child. And not just the best thing, but the biblical thing. And that's a decision you get to make because at the end of the day, we believe this wholeheartedly, you as the parents 
are the one that give account to God. And when I began to understand this and prayed over our situation, I realized I was not going to baptize my daughter. She would make that decision for herself because that's what I see over and over and over and over again in Scripture. No one had to teach me this. I, I, I didn't take on a denominational bias. I just read the Bible. And everywhere in the Bible is believe, be baptized, believe, be baptized, believe. Be, it was never be baptized, believe. It's that simple. And so when I saw that, I said, but I would like to dedicate my daughter. I like to dedicate her to God. I see that all through scripture. I want to dedicate my son to raise them in the faith so that that will be a priority for him. And that's, and that's the second thing that you see why this is so important is it establishes a spiritual priority. <clears throat> it establishes, <clears throat> excuse me, a spiritual priority. That's what dedication does. Train up a child in the way they should go. A lot of people memorize this proverb, 22, six. It's great. And when he or she is old, they will not depart from it. You know, it's, it's part of our responsibility to raise up a child. And when you have a child, if you had a child, you begin to understand the immense responsibility, right? It's like, holy cow, when you have a kid. I was watching the Big Bang Theory recently and Wallowitz and, and his wife were about to have a kid and they're flipping out. Like most young parents, like I did as well, because you're thinking about, I'm now responsible for this person's life, their education, their protection, their health care, their, their understanding of the world around them. Like it's an immense responsibility. And with that, you should establish a spiritual priority over all of those other areas of parenting and concern. A lot of families return to the church when they have children for this reason alone. They see that there is a spiritual priority and a responsibility and they feel ill-equipped to actually do it. And they know that they need God's representation on earth, which is the church, which is his bride, to help them raise their children in a spiritual and healthy way. I'll never forget the first time this hit me. It hit me in a men's Bible study. I was hanging out with a group of guys who were being honest with me, authentic with me, real with me. And, and as we were talking about it, they said, so how's it feel to be a new parent? And I, I said the dumbest thing. I said, I've got it all figured out. They're like, you do, do you? Uh-huh. Let's see how that works out for you. We've read a couple books on parenting. Makes us experts. And, and we're ready to go. And guess what? Our kids didn't conform to the plan and they didn't conform to the book that we read. We needed something a little bit more substantive, generic, spiritual, because we needed people who had raised children in a spiritual home to give us advice and counsel because those kids aren't ours, they're God's. We're gonna get to that in a second. The third thing that dedication does, it's so important, why you should be doing this within your church is it recognizes the stewardship of parenting. It recognizes the stewardship of parenting. I think one of the best passages in all scripture that shows us this concept of, of stewardship with children is when Hannah in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel, has this moment. She's been trying to have kids. She can't have kids. She, she makes this agreement and this covenant with God. And as she makes this covenant with God, she ends up giving back her son to God because she understands something that some of us don't understand, which is that parenting is a stewardship. You don't own your children. They belong to God. And so in 1 Samuel 1, 10 through 11, listen to what it says. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. <coughs> and she made a vow saying, Oh Lord, <coughs> excuse me, Almighty, if you would only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to you 
for all the days of his life and no razor will ever touch his head. And the Lord granted a request, gave her a son and to her word, once he had been weaned, she took him back to the temple and she gave her son Samuel and he was raised in the temple. He became one of the greatest priests ever in Israel. And, and you know, I've, I've begun to understand this better. We dedicated both of our kids, but I've begun to understand this concept of, of stewardship with kids better when my kids went through being teenagers and now that they're adults. Because even though they're adults, they don't stop being your children. You love them. But the stewardship dynamic is more powerful now because they were never mine. They were always God's. They were given to me to do the very best I could with, but they were always God's. And what you do when you dedicate a child is you're reminded, I'm giving them back to God. It, it, it is a ceremony, it is a sacred moment by which that you recognize that and it empowers you in a way that you'll never understand until you're older as a parent. In fact, where I see parents go wrong with this many times, and you see this happen often, is when they, they just can't cut the leash, right? They can't cut the tether. And you see parents that stay way too involved in micromanaging their children's lives, especially as they become adult children, and their kids resent them for it, and it creates incredible tension, both with future family members, you know, like their future spouses, or how families are supposed to get along. Because you have a micromanaging, over-controlling parent that doesn't understand their children were never theirs. They were the Lord's. And when you dedicate a child, you can look back to that moment and you can remember, I gave this child to God. So grateful for them that God gave them to me to raise and to be their earthly parent. But they were never mine. They were always God's. Fourth thing dedication does is God always honors humble commitment. He always honors humble commitment. Submit yourselves then to God, it says. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. I love that out of James. This is a general principle. It's not specifically connected, obviously, to dedication. But this general principle is overarching on any area when we commit to God. That when we commit to him with humility, when we submit ourselves then to God as a humble practice before the Lord, he will lift us up. He will give us, in other words, blessing in that part of our lives. God always honors this general principle. See, that's the church's role in equipping. Equipping parents is to teach you all that we can teach you so that you can respond by faith with humility. And as you do that, that you would be able to then see God's blessing poured into your life. Not because you deserve it, but because when you operate in harmony with the way God has designed faith and family to work, automatically blessing <coughs> becomes a part of that. And if we've ever needed that church family, we need it now. And it takes humility to come before the church and to say, I can't raise this kid on my own. I need the wisdom and the counsel of the church, the church body, and what God's been teaching you and showing you to raise my kid. And that is something that we did. And when we did that, it made a big difference. The fifth thing is it invites accountability because with humility comes accountability. They're connected together. I love it in Proverbs, again, not specific about dedication, but specific and overarching to the principle regarding how we live our faith. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, or one person sharpens another. Something that we've, uh, I think, lost or been reticent in, in the church, 
is we don't like to be critiqued and we don't like to be told when something's wrong. We like, to, we like just to leave or, or we don't deal with conflict well. We don't deal with tension well. But when you have humility that we just talked about and then you add to that accountability, which is where you allow yourself to be held accountable to the, the Christian faith and to how you should live, you grow in incredible ways. Recently, I was talking to a family and, and they were struggling with a, a teenager and, and the teenager's really gone off the rails, which happens in a lot of homes, okay? And as, as we were talking and talking to different uh, friends within that, that, that group, uh, it, it became aware that one of the other friends of this family said, well, you know, this child has always been just kind of let run. You know, they, they've run the house. Um, they've never been disciplined. Um, and, and because of that, now we're seeing lived out some of these behaviors. And one of the, the thoughts I had to this other family who was critiquing another family, um, which is what we like to do, but then we don't do the biblical thing, which is why didn't you tell him that in accountability when they were going through it when he was younger? You know, why, why didn't you have the guts to say, I love you enough that I can see in the scriptures that says we should carefully discipline our children, that we should discipline them toward the behavior and the faith that God wants to see lived out in their life. Because if we do that to one another and you did that for me, our lives would be fuller and they would have God more at the center of them. So it's easy to point the finger post, okay? And I've done this about my own parenting, by the way. But I would have much rather heard from someone who would come to me and say, listen, I want to give you some iron right now. I'm going to give you some stuff that it may sting a little bit, but it's out of love because I want you to be a great parent. And I want you uh, to have a great relationship with your child and with God. And I do that one-on-one -on -one with them, out of love, not out of pride. And if we have that humility and that kind of accountability, because of dedicating gifts, this begins with dedication. Now you're gonna say, why? Because when you stand before the church and you dedicate a child, you open yourself through humility to the accountability of the body, especially those that you do life with in growth group. And when we can have that kind of frankness and genuineness and realness and authenticity, our lives are fuller and they're better. And when it comes to parenting, it begins with dedication. That's when this journey begins. The sixth thing is it connects a family to greater equipping. So it's not just the critique. It's not just the admonishment. It's not just giving people advice when they're going through something difficult. It also equips us. I love this out of Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. The reason I bring up this passage, it was because of the dedication of my own children and raising them in the church that on multiple times, people came to me and equipped us. We dedicated our children in the church and it gave the church the ability as well as the permission to speak into our lives. And with raising a special needs child like Brittany, multiple times we were blessed, equipped, um, given advice, helped, to be better parents. And that began because we dedicated our kids and opened ourselves up to that relationship with the church. And the church has overblessed us in equipping us to be better parents to a special needs child. But it was because we opened ourselves to that accountability through humility, through the process 
and the blessing of a child dedication. And I'll never forget when I was going through some tough times with my son and um, someone in my own group brought that passage up to me and said, I've watched you and some of the things that you do in interaction with your son and I believe you're exasperating him based on this passage. I received that with humility as iron sharpens iron and we worked together to figure out ways that I could be a better dad. That began with dedication. It began with the open mind and the open heart and the open faith that I needed others in, in the church to help me be a better parent and to help me have a better family. And you need that too. The seventh reason why you should dedicate is this. Blessing is conferred within the family of Christ. Blessing is conferred within the family. And we've forgotten this one in a lot of different ways. I give you again a general principle, not a dedication principle, but a general principle out of Matthew 10, 12 through 14, when Jesus was sending out his disciples to do ministry, this is one of the things that he said to them. He says, when you enter a home, give it your blessing. Um, in, in the original um, NIV 1984, it, it uses the word peace. Give it your peace. If it, if it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. Do, do you see that the Lord gives us the authority to give blessing and to retract blessing based on where we see his hand at work and people's openness to what God's doing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake the dust from your feet as you leave. We have forgot that within Christ's church, his bride on earth, his presence here for us to see, connect to, and engage with, that there is the ability to confer or take or sometimes, not trying to add to the scriptures, but just a reality that I've seen, miss the opportunity to confer blessing to those within it. We see this at significant moments that happen within the life of church. For instance, let me give you a couple that aren't connected to, to baby dedication or to child dedication, but are connected to the church and its people. Marriage, the wedding ceremony, you know, it's a moment, you know, not, not the legal part of it, but the blessing part of it, where the church confers blessing and love and affection over a couple and their unique Christian union. You only get that in God's church. You can't get that apart from it. Baptism. You know, yes, you could baptize someone outside of the church, but if you do so, you miss out on the connection, the fellowship, and the blessing of the humility of submitting to Christ's bride on earth. To see his hand through the bride, the church, that he loves so much. Communion. Yes, you can do communion at home. We even teach people how to do communion in their homes under the authority of the church. But when you do it separate from the body of the church, I believe you miss out on the blessing in the communion specifically with Christ. Because he is the one that has birthed his church to hold on to these blessings in so many ways. And church family, I believe that dedication is one of those things that we do, we do uniquely as a family to bless not only the parents and the child, but to remind us as a church how important children are to the kingdom of God. 
So this week, would you please see your role within the church and bless and serve families? Would you bless and serve families? Jesus said this. It is a famous passage out of Matthew 19. Almost every children's uh, worker knows it. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. In other words, church family, Jesus laid hands on the kids and he blessed them. And since we are his representation on earth through his bride, the church, we should be consistently doing the same thing and setting aside those moments to bless children. I want to pray for you and those watching at home. And if you've been wanting to dedicate a child, I want you to really seriously consider it to do the prayer, to do the research, and then let us know. Because uh, um, we're gonna be doing several child dedications in the weeks to come. We'll try to get those on Facebook and, and get them up so as you can see those. Uh, but we have several parents, and we wanna do that in a unique and special way for every parent that's dedicating and every child that we'll be blessing through child dedication. And we'll be sharing those with you coming up. But if you have a child, you're a grandparent, you know, and you want to see that child raised in the faith, you're a parent, you want to see that child raised in the faith, then we want to help you do that through a connection with the local church. Let me pray for your families, and then we'll help you take the step to be able to dedicate your children to the Lord in this new year. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for each and every person watching, for every person that hears uh, this message. I pray that as they think about the consistent um, theme as well as thread of blessing children and setting them apart in a unique way through Scripture that they might think about this moment in their own family. Father, families are under attack in ways that we can't even imagine in this modern era. And if there's been ever a time that we need your blessing through humility and accountability based on just following your Scriptures, it's now. So, Father, for each family that is ready to dedicate, I pray that you will give them insight and wisdom and the timing and how. I pray that your blessing will not just happen on the day of dedication, but on each and every day that they raise that child based on their faith in you, Christ, and their understanding and obedience to your scriptures. We thank you for the families that will be receiving this blessing in Christ Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to dedicate a child, your grandparent or your child, hey, you're gonna do that through the Connect card this week. Uh, Dan will post that Connect card up. <clears throat> he can do it through a, a push. I've also put a link in the notes. And uh, what we'll be able to do is if you fill out the Connect card, give us your name, uh, write the name of the child, the age of the child, uh, birthday of the child. Uh, if we have that, we, we already have it. If we don't, we just want to make sure we got it. And then uh, an approximate date that you're considering that you'd like to dedicate your child uh, so that you can inform your family. And so then we will be getting up with you to talk to you about that. And then we'll help you to make that a very special and, uh, and set apart moment for the child, the family, and the church. Uh, my prayer is that church, church family, uh, child dedications will become a more normal part of our normal services at our church as well as churches across our peninsula because children are unique, special gifts that God has given us to steward 
and to bless. And when we do that, I believe it makes the heart of God happy. Thanks for watching this week's message. Um, I hope to see you soon. I can't wait to read your Connect card. And I'm looking forward to many child dedications coming up based on your obedience to what God has taught us. Have a blessed week.